golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We were born to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on FM 96.9 The Game. Hey, bring me another bucket of balls. We love it. And turn on the lights. I love it late. Because I love it. We love it. We love it. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G, along with Mr. Cool Soul Links, Soul Links himself. Link Soul. Link Soul. Soul Links. <laughs> You're so linky. You know me and my style. Will like Perry sometimes. in the house. The players, the players, the players. It's good to be back, Will, but it was a fun week up at the TPC. Totally. I wish I could have been up there. You spent two or three days? Did yes, you You went I up on Saturday as well, right? Um, didn't make it up Saturday, but um, I, was, I was parked watching all the action. And uh, also on Sunday, C. Woo. Kim. Solid. Mr. Cool Customer. Just cool very... Operator. Well, and you had a chance to talk with Sean Foley, his coach, earlier today. Yes, so and we'll have that, that interview coming up. Coming up. Um, we will really get an inside look at who um, Kim is. 21 years old, the youngest player to ever win the Players' Championship. And it was, it was a pretty stout performance. I'll tell you, first of all, that was a short game exhibition on steroids. I mean, we know... 10 for 10, wasn't it? 10 for 10, up and downs. Um, While a lot of the big boys were going completely sideways on Sunday. I mean, look at some of these numbers. Sergio, 78. Fowler, 79. Jason Day, 80. Justin Rose, 80. What was going on with these guys? And J.B. Holmes, 84. What what did he... Was it an 8 or a... An 8 or a 7 that he had on on number 17? A 7. Yeah. And then he made a double on 18. Yeah, it was ugly. That's tough. Um, but, you know, looking at the leaderboard on Sunday, we had my pick, Sergio. I thought Sergio was going to, you know, <clears throat> I thought he was going to make a run. It was looking like it was setting up for him after his round on Saturday. It sure was. Um, just didn't have it in the tank. I'm sure, you know, he was pressing for it. You've got to think that he was. Um, not the typical, not that it wasn't uh, still fun to watch, but not the typical player Sunday um, from top to bottom in terms of, well, from 1 to 10 that you normally see. Some would say it was lacking sizzle in terms of a rock star leaderboard. Although, you know, you had Louis Oosthuizen, uh, you know, Ian Poulter. smooth as silk swing. Ian Poulter, we know his story. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually watched Ian quite a bit. On, on Wednesday, and, you know, in fact, check out our blog because we've had some really great stories up the last week um, about yeah. Ian. And, uh, Steve I, Trivet, an old-time tour writer, wrote a piece about Ian Poulter 
and his kind of his trials and tribulations over the last couple of weeks. And um, we've had some great stuff from Gary Van Sickle, who will be on the show later today, former Sports for Sports Illustrated. Which yes, I and Golf, Golf World. Digest. And the current president of the GWAA. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we've had we've had some good stuff. I put a piece up on Sunday about Sergio, and and then Gary did a great piece on uh, sort of uh, the analysis of TPC Sawgrass and how how things played out on it, Sunday. That was not something that I asked you about. Do you think that the tournament should move back to March? There's a quite a bit of debate about it. You know, I'm I part of me says I'd like to see the Florida swing. I I'd would like to see it back in the Florida I would like swing. To see that. I would like to see that. What's interesting is there've been you know a lot of comments, of course, too, about the golf course, the changes they made. We're going to talk about this later on, but um, obviously, I think twelve turned out not to be um, the hole they thought it was going to be. Apparently, they're already going to move the bulldozers in and uh, change some things. Really? Yep. Um, you know, I, I think that, that the green was a little severe. If you hit it on the left hand side middle, you know, most of those balls went off and into the water. Uh, so I think they've got to build that up a little bit. And the interesting part is a lot of the changes they made recently have been specifically because they moved the tournament to May. They move it back to March. Now you've got a whole different. You're really on a whole different growing season. Well, it plays. It's a slower golf course. You're overseeding. I would imagine that they overseed with rye up in Jacksonville. I know that we do that here in Orlando, so I would imagine it's the same. Uh, it's not going to play as firm and fast. It's going to be a little bit of a softer golf course. Um, I mean, you're playing it at the beginning part of summer, kind of at this point. Golf courses tend to dry out a little bit more. Yeah, it definitely would be way different. That's for sure. What do you feel? I kind of like it where it is. Um, It's kind of got a nice spot in between the Masters and the U.S. Open. I think moving it back to March, and then there's also this whole possibility of moving the PGA Championship, which I'm not really a huge fan of either. Um, It's nice having... You know, the Masters in April, then the players in May, and then the U.S. Open in June, and then the Open in, I guess, mid-July. I'm not sure what the date falls exactly this year. So we've got a huge tournament every month. Um, moving it back before into March, I just, it, it's been exciting watching it the way that it's panned out, I think, over the last, I think it's officially like 10 years. Is that how long it's, yep. I think it's been? Mm-hmm. So. Um, so Ian Poulter... Obviously, saves his card and uh, is exempt with the nice uh, tie for second. Uh, and, boy, what two randomly different shots did he hit on 18 on on Sunday finishing Completely the round? Completely blocked it right off the Shanked tee. it, he said. Oh, you mean the you're talking his about second, the second shot. The yeah. second shot. Which was just like. Where did that come from? Yeah. Uh, three wood, maybe? I, I don't know what he was hitting. No, a I think no, he a hit a, he was No, I think he hit a. Um, he had an iron in, in oh, hand. Oh, did he? Okay, maybe maybe it was like a six iron or something. Yeah. And then that amazing shot out of the trees. Mm-hmm. Boom. Exactly. Very very wild. What uh, a birdie that would have been. That would have been amazing. So you know there've been some there's been some commentary about uh, you know Ian's play that maybe he played it kind of safe, didn't play it to win, coming in the last three holes. Uh, Brandel Chambly calling him out on the golf channel. Um, you know, hey, Ian's the experienced player, right? He's got a 21-year-old kid playing behind him. Yeah, okay, he had a two-shot lead. But, you know, do you think he was playing smart, protecting par? You know, saying, hey, this guy still has to come through 16, 17. We've seen many a tournament lost 
on that hole by many experienced players. What do you say? Well, let, kind of breaking it down a little bit, right? I mean, you could argue one way or the other. You could say, obviously, you know, I've got he's got a 21-year-old unproven uh, rookie in front of him, you know, right? Behind him. Behind, or behind him, rather. Um, where you never, I mean, you could, just like what J.B. Holmes did, you could very easily go five, three, four, five, six over par in the last couple holes. Um, so playing for par, coming into 16, 17, 18, routinely is not necessarily a bad thing. But on the flip side of that, look at also, too, maybe in the real back subconscious of his mind, this is just throwing it out there, this is purely just for our banter, of look what he's gone through and possibly almost losing his card. So I'm sure there was an element of wanting to protect protect that quite a bit and making sure that he doesn't have to go through all of... Um, you know, that again, and being able to ensure this, his status on the tour versus, you know, making a big number and, you know, who knows what could happen at that point, falling outside the top five, outside the top ten. I mean, anything can happen. Well, he, he um, you know, hit it to the middle of green on 17. I You know, that, that's such a tough pin placement. I don't think um, you would have seen Ricky Fowler do that if he was in the same place. But, <laughs> again, you know, it's easy to be a, a – Monday morning quarterback. Prognosticator. Right? Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I do think, um, you know, it was it was great, great to see Ian, um, you know, finish in the lights once again. And how about Rafa Cabrera Bayo? That was pretty sweet. Albatross. Yeah. Wow. Heck of a bounce that Woo! he got. Ricochet. Um, yeah. Nothing but cup. Yeah. And then he birdies 17. And uh, what, did he chip in on 18? I forget. Or, or drain a, I mean, he drained an unbelievable shot. Yeah, for, I, to make to make a par. I think he was on the fringe. I think he was short, wasn't he short? Yeah, and, and he, then he and chipped he, it in. Yeah, he chipped yeah. it in, which like was just a wild finish for him. It was too bad that uh, that I was kind of like that's the the type of atmosphere that you're hoping to see at the players, kind of like Ricky from a couple of years ago. Um, and that's usually, you'll kind of get some of that. We didn't really have those fireworks this year. Not to say that it wasn't a good tournament, but it's not typically what you see uh, in the final round at the Players' Championship. Good tournament for Dustin Johnson, his best ever, tied for 12th, finishing with uh, tying for the low round on Sunday of 68. So I think he's got to be feeling really good about that. Um, We've got the first major of the year on the Champions Tour, the tradition in... uh, Hot Atlanta, that's being played. I'm sorry, not Atlanta. It's in Birmingham, Alabama. You think the... some people are going to be talking about John Daly now that he's oh, got his first yeah. win under his belt? And how about? I mean, you had VJ Singh who made a charge at the players. He's going to be playing in it. I know. I was Steve watching Stricker. With, I was watching with my buddy, and and he on Saturday, and he's like, "How is VJ still on tour?" And I was like, "I have no idea." Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and and Steve Stricker. Was you know on the board? It, it it looked a little bit like a Masters leaderboard, you know, with some of the, you know, the young guns and some of the old guys hanging in there. So uh, it's going to be the the twenty ninth annual Regions tradition, uh, t starting uh, starting played this Thursday, and then um, hey, Lexi Thompson skydiving into the first tee at Kingsmill earlier today. Uh, this was a promo. She has teamed up with the Navy Seal Legacy Foundation, which. Um, Benefits Wounded and Fallen Navy Seals. And she's going to be wearing, check this out, blue camo on Sundays from now on. How about that? That's fun. 
uh, to go with her pink that she wears on Saturdays for breast cancer awareness. So, And um, there's uh, possibly some shaking up the world rankings on the LPGA Tour with this tournament this week. Well, we got Lydia Ko, So Yun-Ru, and Arya Jutanyagarn, who uh, just got inched out in the Mexico tournament, the match play, the week before last. So uh, there's there's a lot going on as we really start to rev up the rest of the season. They're getting ready to, to kick off into the majors as well. Um, and it's kind of that time of year. This is the fun time of year. When exactly. We, when we, we can feel golf. it, right? We're about a month out from the U.S. Open, and there's a lot of golf happening around Orlando. Remember, we've partnered up with the Big Summer Golf Card. If you're looking for a great Father's Day gift, Check out the Big Summer Golf Card at BigSummerGolf.com for 60 bucks. Yeah, that's right. You, uh, you, you scored one. I did. Birthday present. For $60, you can play some of the best courses from now until the end of October. You get the best rates. You can check up all the, the great courses online. 60 bucks for the Big Summer Golf Card. And, Will, we're giving away a really, really special, special prize tonight. Swag, whatever you want to call which, it. Which one? What do we got? Well, you know, we uh, have partnered and are hosting a one-day golf workshop this Saturday at Orange County National. We're bringing in one of the top players, teaching professionals in the country. You know her. She's not only a PGA member, PGA Class A member, an LPGA member, Kay McMahon, member of the LPGA Teaching Hall of Fame, and she's going to be giving a one-day workshop at Orange County National. It's going to run from uh, 8.30 in the morning till 3.30. This includes lunch, a playbook, range work, classroom, full swing video analysis, and we're going to give away one spot to a lucky listener later on in the show. So, if you want a chance to get some top-notch instruction, Kay has an amazing method she teaches. It's called Golf 8.5. Very simple, easy way to uh, really break down your golf swing and declutter your brain. We all know we need a little decluttering. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so we're I'm really excited about this. Stay tuned. We're going to give it away in a little bit. A one-day workshop, Orange County National this Saturday. It's over a $300 value. So stay with us at Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. We've got much more golf talk coming up. Stay with us. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. Oh, struggler's blues. We're back. The Golf Insiders. Taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G. And Will Perry will tell everybody how they can catch up with us on social media. Got to check us out at the Golf Insiders on Facebook and Twitter. And, of course, check out the blog and the podcast. That's right. You can listen to us anytime you like. Anytime. So, see Woo Kim. Quite an interesting story. Uh happens to be coached by Orlando's very own Sean Foley, who we know is one of the most respected swing coaches on tour. Coaches Justin Rose, and we know formerly was coach for Tiger Woods. Mm -hmm. And I had a chance to 
chat with Sean earlier and find out a little bit more about Siwoo Kim. Hey, Sean, it's great to have you on the show again. Thanks so much, and congratulations on the big win, Siwoo Kim. Just looking like a walk in the park on Sunday, the youngest player ever to win the players, 21 years old. Tell us a little bit about this guy. He put on quite a show. Uh, Thanks for having me on the show again. Um, Yeah, I'm glad. You know, a lot of people don't know about Siwoo Kim. Um, You know, what they should know is that this this young man at 17 went through all four stages of PGAQ school to have a, you know, to have a PGA Tour card younger than anybody. Um, So I was fortunate enough to work with him at Bay Hill, uh, not this year, but the year before. I just gave him a one-hour lesson, and then – at the beginning of this year, he was really struggling, so he asked again if I would help him. But this time, it looked like it needed a little more work. Um, and so he's a lovely kid. He's uh, he kind of reminds me he's like a Korean Fred couple. Like he is so laid back and so relaxed. It's it doesn't take much personally. He doesn't get upset a whole lot. But that being said, um, I never the kid that I watched on the weekend. I hadn't felt like I hadn't even I hadn't met him yet. And his caddy was telling me, you know, he won the Wyndham last year in the summer. The caddy said, man, when he gets playing good, he just gets so much confidence. He's fearless. And I was, I look forward to when that happens, you know, we'll see. We just got to keep working and get through it. So, I mean, you're looking at a player who's literally, um, I believe he's either missed the cut or withdrew uh, in 11 of his last 14 tournaments. Yeah. And so... I think he was dead last in the driving statistics, 207, coming into this tournament. Yeah, and then he did go to first on one of the hardest driving courses in, in professional golf. Incredible. So I think what it, what it shows the viewers out there is, you know, he was statistically already bad just from, as a young man, as he went back to Korea at the end of the year, he thought he had to get longer, so he pretty much self-taught so he tried to get longer in a bunch of different ways and in doing so he kind of threw off the pattern that he had so once he lost his way you know the difficult part for some of these guys who are naturally so good and they work so hard is they find the right way but they're not exactly sure how they got there so when they lose their way they don't completely they can't identify how they got there and that's how so many of these guys lose their game and people go well they were so good but you know why are they struggling now? And one, golf is obviously difficult, like life. Golf is, the, is maybe the great microcosm for life. So we're going to go through ups and downs, and we can't. It's not. It's not always for a reason. It's just kind of the arbitrary nature of how things are. But we've been working. He came to me with neck and back issues, so we've been doing some diligent things with golf, like to make sure not to just get him to hit the ball better, but ultimately so that you know he's 21 years of age. He has a long career ahead of him. And knowing that he had a, knowing that he had a two-year exemption, this was some of the stuff that we could do because he didn't really have to play for his card. So, I mean, I've just really appreciated his work, work ethic, his open-mindedness. Um, and about three weeks ago, I started seeing it in stretches like four or five holes where he really start hitting it good and hitting it far and hitting it straight. And uh, and then, you know, we'd hit one out of bounds, and then we'd have a good stretch, and then we'd have a bad stretch. And it's kind of, you know, it's the, the learning process. Like I tell people that, you know, getting better is not a lot of fun, but being better is. And I think that, you know, if we looked at uh, the example I use a lot, Holly, is Navy SEALs. And to become a Navy SEAL, 
it's probably one of the most grueling things physically and mentally that any man um, could go through or, or woman could go through. And, you know, the reason that they become such special operators and they're such a high level of warrior is because their training is nearly impossible. And so when players see someone come out of nowhere like Siwoo, been paying attention you would have seen like the progress coming and the guys that he was playing with they were hitting it further than him two months ago he's now hitting it further than them and he's always had a beautiful chipping and pitching game um, and then he kind of gets streaky with his putter but uh you know i think the goal now is to manage expectations and get him to realize like you know you don't have to be that player every single day like it's going to be difficult play at that level every single day or um, did he just learn something about him on the weekend that's going to help him trampoline to the top of the game who knows I'll be there to do the same thing to do the same job which is to check ball positions uh, make sure we're hitting the club the right distance and make sure that I'm helping him manage his energy he's not practicing too much Um, that's really the funny thing Ollie is that as coaches, we spend more time trying to get them to rest and recover than practice. And unfortunately, in the world of sports and performance, rest and recovery aren't looked at as things that are part of performance. But, you know, if you look at Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods, uh, no one played smaller schedules than those two players, and they're the best ever. And I have a young man who just played 15 out of 17 weeks and thinks that that's the way to improve. But we can see by what's occurred that it, it might not be the West best way to improve. So, he has a week break and comes back fresh. And now uh, I can believe I'm saying it, but there's also a part of me that can't believe that I'm saying that Simo Kim is the 2017 Players Champion. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. And talking about his short game, to put in perspective, uh, he had 10 up and downs on Sunday. I mean, he, he was looking like the Korean Seve Ballesteros. I, I mean, he wasn't, he was chipping it up and down out of everywhere. And we know how tough. Uh, the the players in Sawgrass was playing. A lot of guys posting big numbers on Sunday. Uh, it was magical to watch him. It was. It was. It was absolutely. Uh, it was absolutely uh, incredible. I couldn't be. He, the kid works so hard. He's a lovely guy. He treats. I mean, he, he treats Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas the same way he treats a volunteer on the team. I mean, he. He thanks volunteers who are on the team. So he's been raised very well, and then he's also made a decision uh, to be a a nice young man. He's very popular with the players. He's somebody got his tour card four years ago at the age of 17, but still to be put in that spotlight uh, on Sunday, he was so composed, so focused, so in the moment. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Look, I've, I've also seen in the last couple of months, I've seen clubs thrown, and I've seen very human aspects of them as well. So, you know. He is 21 then, after all. Well, he's a human being. I think I've seen, I've seen guys on the senior tour do the same thing, Holly, in their 60s. So, um, I don't know if it's an age thing, maturity. I think that, uh, I think, look, um, I'm of the belief, Holly, that um, – that well-being is not something that's built. It's only something that's blocked. And I, what I mean by that is that I don't think happiness is a place that we have to get to. I think happiness is a place that we're born in. No no doubt about that. Um, you mentioned about the importance of rest, and 
uh, in particular, the number of tournaments he played. He has withdrawn from the Byron due to tweaking his back. We saw him, you know, rubbing it a little bit on the on some of the last few holes. Rory apparently uh, fighting a little bit of a back problem. You know, DJ, of course, we you know the incident in uh, up at Augusta. You know, do you think some of these guys are, uh, you know, are they are they balancing that enough or they or the workout routines what's your opinion you look i think more than anything it's funny you know when a when a holly when a defensive back gets injured in the nfl no one really thinks twice about it and uh i think because we're a little blindsided on golf as a game and not a sport um we're dealing with people who are world class at a movement that's very unorthodox to us so very rarely do we bend over in life and turn quickly and uh you know, I would say, like, if you look at a baseball batter, if you look at a quarterback or a pitcher, you know, there's so many great pitchers who are starting to get these elbow surgeries because basically the tendons and the elbow aren't supposed to do what they're doing. And so when someone gets to a place of, of being world class, they've overused something. And, you know, what will happen is because I think of slight ignorance, people will say, well, you know, all the workouts that did it to them and they're working out too much and they're lifting weights and they shouldn't do that and I mean we're talking about men who carry the ball 315 yards in the air and I would argue that you know both of those guys have been number one in the world so the gift and the curse of hitting a lot of balls and working out is that it's good for you but it also breaks you down and I think that you know Tiger Woods was someone who was very big uh, into fitness and working out and people can say well you know, all that pounding is caught up with him. Well, that's after he won 70 times, 79 times on tour and 14 majors. I mean, who would not want that career? Before we let you go, Sean, um, always great to talk with you, and I feel like we could fill, fill up the whole hour. Uh, you've got a new academy out at Tim McQuan Golf Club, Eagle Dreams. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, I've partnered up uh, with the owners of Tim McQuan to create the Foley Performance Academy, and, and, and uh We've partnered up for many years, so we're going to build it organically and, and, and as time goes on and see what that, you know, you, you never know what things are going to look like. So I, I kind of try to pay attention to where I'm at right now rather than where I'm going. And uh, basically it's a, it's a full-year school program. Um, right now we have 21 kids uh, who are all Chinese kids studying here in the United States uh, to go to Lake Mary Prep. Um, and to play a big tournament schedule. And so currently that's all the, uh, the academy is at this point as far as us uh, doing private lessons and things like that. We haven't really gone that far in that direction yet. We're just trying to do all the small things well, and hopefully they, they will build up over time. So um, that's where I'm at uh, a couple days a week when I'm not on the road working with the kids uh, and, uh, you know, just, just coaching, talking to them about life, golf, stories I have from the PGA Tour, my experiences, um, as well as working with uh, Justin Rose and uh, Wu Kim. So sometimes it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a balancing act, but uh, I think when you're as curious and passionate about it, uh, it just doesn't seem as, as hard or, or, or tiring. So yeah, still, you know, still really enjoying what I'm doing. And I know you're on your way to a basketball game. So Sean, we appreciate it so much. And um We'll look forward to uh, watching Justin and Siwoo Kim as we approach the U.S. Open. Thank you so much. Hey, nice to talk to you guys. It's great to really get a little bit of that inside the mind well, of the swing coach. Well, he's always so philosophical, too. He's, 
uh, I know we cut part of it short, but he always tends to get into, he loves the mindset Absolutely. side of it as much as he probably loves the instructional side of it. And uh, he's a busy guy, including having two kids, four and nine, and he was on the way to uh, his son's basketball game, so we appreciated his time. We've got a uh, lot more golf talk coming up. Stay tuned because we're going to be giving away this very, very special slot on Saturday to our one-day workshop out at Orange County National with LPGA Hall of Famer Kay McMahon, not only a PGA member but an LPGA member, top 50 golf instructor for Golf Digest. And uh, she is going to be giving a fabulous clinic all day, Orange County National, from 8.30 to 3.30, and this would be normally a $350 value. We're going to give it away to one lucky listener. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. Stay with us. More golf talk coming up. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, that's my job to keep all those nuts away from you. That's just the way it is. Don't play at Pebble, won't pay the price. I love my Muni, I think it's nice. It good to just make We're back, the Golf Insiders. In the house, Holly G and Will Perry. It's time, Will. It's time. We're giving away. Giving away free stuff. Giving away free stuff. We love giving away free stuff. This one is truly special, as we've been talking about. On this Saturday, from 8.30 to 3.30 at Orange County National, Kay McMahon, one of the LPGA Teaching Hall of Fame members, a PGA member, and one of the top 50 women golf instructors by... Golf Digest coming into town, and we are partnering with her. We've got one slot open. We're going to give away to a listener. Caller number three, caller number three, 407 916 8255. 407 916 8255. 407 916 8255. This is a $350 value. You're going to get a chance to uh, have a day with one of the best teachers in our business. We're going to waste no more time. We're going to go to Bob Herrig from ESPN.com to check in and get his thoughts on the Players' Championship. Hey, Bob. Hey, how's it going? Doing well. It was great to see you last week. Um, quite a surprise on Sunday, the way it all went down. Your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, it sure was. Uh, you know, the, not the usual fireworks, uh, certainly not what we're used to seeing lately. Um, and I think that is sort of just product of, uh, some pretty tough conditions, a lot of wind and, uh, you know, obviously the respect that the players have for those finishing holes and all that can happen. But, uh, you know, Siwoo Kim, I mean, 21 years old and to not make a bogey in the final round, uh, and you could, you see how easy it was. I mean, J.B. Holmes looked pretty good through three rounds and shot 84. Uh, made an eight on 17, and that just kind of gives you an idea of what can happen. So, a uh, heck of a win for him. Um, a nice little resurgence for for Ian Poulter, and um, 
uh, despite uh, you know some controversy with with what's been said about him, I I thought you know he just he probably did what he had to do and and didn't uh, didn't maybe hit some of the shots he would like to have hit down the stretch that could have made it closer. But uh, all in all, it was a really good tournament for him uh, after you know pretty much two years of struggling and injury and losing his card and then getting it back and all that stuff. Yeah, anybody that's seen him compete in a Ryder Cup and looked at that stare on a Sunday like we had to witness at Medina. <laughs> I don't think anybody could say Ian Poulter doesn't have the fight in him to, to, to win and that he wasn't playing. You know, hey, he may not have been going at the pins, but, you know, as we were talking earlier, you know, who, who knows what would happen to Kim coming into that last three holes. We've seen plenty of disaster happen on 17 and the pressure get to even the best players in the world. Well, I, I sort of tried to make the point that I thought he was playing to win by not by trying not to lose. And, you know, there's a difference, I think, between being careful and protecting and not, you know, you know to say that he wasn't trying to win, um, I don't know about that. I mean, was he careful? Was he being conservative? Possibly, sure. You know, uh, you don't hit a good tee shot on 16 – you know, he's trying to hit as good of a tee shot as he could. He didn't. He didn't pull it off. He hit it in the right rough. He was a long way back. Um, there's a difference between being aggressive and being foolish. And if he tries to go for that there, out of the rough, he said it was a four iron from 240 yards. It's just not a guarantee, even for a pro. So, uh, you know, he elected to take the safe way by laying up and giving himself a full wedge in. And then I guess some people didn't think that wedge shot was, uh, was, was hit aggressively enough. I thought he just kind of missed the spot on the green that you need to hit there by, by not too much. Otherwise, it funnels down closer to the hole. Agreed. Would he have gone at the hole more? more? Sure, probably. You know, but maybe he feared uh, you know, losing it to the right. I mean, let's be honest. Two holes later, he shanked the ball. You know, so uh, on 17... To take dead aim at that pin where it is on Sunday takes a lo- takes a lot of guts. There was a lot of wind up there on on Sunday. It wasn't dead calm. I mean, two years ago when Ricky Fowler fired at saying it was a calm day, he knew exactly the yardage he was dialed in and he hit it there every time. Uh, I don't think that was the case so much on Sunday. You know, it was not an easy shot. You risked a lot if you and and then you know if you go in the water or make a bogey on one of those those two holes. Now you've just made it so much easier for Kim, right? Who can play safe? Uh, so, um, in any case, I, I thought, um, you know, really where where Poulter got hurt was making a bogey on the 12th hole. That was not that was a hole that that you had to give yourself a birdie chance at. You know, the short par four, and and he mishit a shot, a wedge shot, and ended up making bogey. Uh, I believe he three putted. That was a killer. You know that. That really, really hurt, and, and, and I think he maybe got a little tentative after that. Uh, but that doesn't mean he wasn't trying to win. I, as I said, I think you've got to – you don't want to hand it to the guy. And if you don't think you can pull off a shot, well, then it's silly to try it. So uh, uh, you're better off maybe trying to do it the, the hard way. I, I, I say this all the time. David Toms won a PGA championship against Phil Mickelson a long time ago in 2001 by laying up. He did not go for it uh, on the final hole at the Atlanta Athletic Club 
laid up and 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 wedged on, and and uh, and made the putt to win. Uh, you know, if he had gone for it and hit it in the water, he he probably hands it to Phil. Uh, there have been numerous examples of 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 that of of being smart, uh, winning for you as opposed to losing. You know, it's Wingfoot and. In 06, when Phil went for it, everybody afterwards says that was the wrong play. If he'd have laid up, he could have won in. He could have won it outright, and certainly been in a playoff. So, you know, I just think it's very easy to sit back and criticize after the fact when, uh, um, you know, there's a lot going on out there on a really hard golf course that did not yield a whole lot on Sunday. Yeah, those were some tough, tough conditions um, all all weekend weekend. Uh, let's turn to the Byron, uh, you know, one of our longest-running tournaments, 35 years, I think it's celebrating this year. Uh, some good players in the field. Jordan Spieth in his hometown. Uh, he's probably feeling some love and probably is hoping that that uh, love turns into a win this, this weekend, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. He, um, you know, he missed the cut at the players and, uh, he uh, he was in contention at, at the at the Nelson last year and ended up tied for 18th. He shot 74 in the final round, then won the next week at the Colonial. But I, you know, this is this is his hometown event. It's where he kind of got known for the first time as a 16-year-old amateur when he when he got on the leaderboard uh, on the weekend and played really well. And that was when he was still in high school. Uh, so, um, you know, this is a tournament you'd like to win. It's changing venues next year. Uh, you know, it's been, it's been played where it is now during his entire lifetime. I, I'm sure he would love to win the last one uh, at Las Colinas. I, I bet you that would be, you know, kind of a cool thing for him. So, um, in any case, that's, uh, you know, that, there's more incentive than that, but that's, that's certainly a pretty good one. You, you know, you're out there every week. He commented in his presser, uh, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, that he's hitting the ball, you know, great. But, you know, his chipping and punting is just sort of not, you know, caught up in the rounds. What do you, where do you think his game's at? Yeah, I think that's, I think you nailed it. You know, it, uh, it's just, um, you know, it's just not all together there right now. And, um, and that happens. You know, we see that all the time. So uh, uh, it, it, it ebbs and flows, and uh, it, it, it kind of puts into perspective, you know, when they when they do have those good runs, because it's just not it's not automatic, and 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 you, and we we sometimes get uh, jaded into thinking that it's always going to be there, and it's just not. Well, there's some, you know, some good pass winners in this in this uh, field: Jason Day, uh, Adam Scott. You've got Jason Duffner, and of course Sergio, who's won twice here. Who are you picking on Sunday, Bob? Before I let you go, well, I went with Jordan um, for the reasons we discussed earlier. I think it's more due to he is—he's mad at himself for for missing the cut at the players, and and for uh, you know just kind of being a little bit off here the last several weeks uh, and and not uh, taking advantage of his opportunities. So. Um, uh, I, I, I kind of look for him to be in the mix and, and to be highly motivated to do well. I, I agree. Thanks, as always. Bob Herrig, ESPN.com. You. You're listening to the Golf Insiders 96.9 The Game. Stay with us. More Golf Talk coming up. 
I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so We're back. The Golf Insiders wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk. Congratulations to Maria Vega for winning her spot in our golf workshop. Our game is going to get a lot better this week. Oh, weekend. yeah. You, you know how good Kay is. We don't want to waste any more time because we've been trying to track this man down for a couple weeks now. Uh, He's a sought-after commodity at oh, this point. Oh, man. He's busy, busy, busy. Currently the president of the Golf Writers Association of America, former senior writer for Sports Illustrated Golf World. He's written for all the, the big dogs. Gary Van Sickle on the line. Hello, Mr. GV. How are you? And so and so an hour of intelligent golf talk comes to a screeching halt. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, we're gonna keep it short. <laughs> You got it. Uh, you wrote a great blog on our Golf Insiders uh, blog on Monday, talking a little bit about the course setup. There's been a lot of chatter about that. Gary, your uh, your overall thoughts, you know, was it a little severe? Um, hole number 12 didn't really live up to the hype. Give us your thoughts. Yeah, I think the TV guys debated that ad nauseum during the week, and they came to the conclusion that, uh, the risk wasn't enough, and the the layup was too easy, and the going for it was too hard. I don't think they quite got it right, so maybe they'll tweak that. Look, that course is not fun to play when it gets really firm like it was, and it gets really fast like it was. And then you had just enough wind to make it kind of dangerous. I, I don't have a problem, as I said in that story in Golf Insider, I don't have a problem watching somebody hit a ball into the, into the water on the fly. I have a problem when I see a guy hit a hit a shot that takes a couple bounces on the green, dribbles off, goes over to the side, and topples over the side of some uh, some planking or whatever. Uh, that just seems like tricky. You know, they're trying to defend par by adding penalty shots. And I just think, you know, it's counterintuitive, but the best scores, the best winners in major championships are the ones where the scores are lowest. You know, Jason Day shot 20 under at Whistling Straits. If you look back through history – the low scores are always shot by the great players of all time. And the guys who win majors at six and eight, nine under frequently are guys who had no business winning majors in our opinion. So I don't think they have the setup right. I think that the green should be softer, at least, at least grow a little cushion of fur around the collars of those greens that are there, you know, around the water. I mean, I'm not a fan. I don't know about what, what, Holly, I don't know, but what do you think? But at Augusta, when they shaved the banks and, you can see guys putt off the green or when Billy Horschel's ball just roll off the green in the water hazard. I don't I don't like that. I think that's I think that's lousy there and I, I think it's lousy at the players. Yeah, I I agree. Uh it'll be interesting to see if they move it to March. We were chatting about that earlier. Uh, you know, if if that if that'll help, you know, if if that'll slow things down a little bit. We know, you know, it's a different different time of the year, different growing season. Are you in favor of the March move? Well, I didn't like it in March, and I don't like it in May. So, <laughs> when would you like maybe it? Maybe they could move to April and bump that other tournament out. <laughs> okay. No, I, but I, I don't suppose that'll happen. What I remember about March is the weather was crappy. A lot of times it was pretty, pretty kind of chilly. And then when it rained, it was a cold rain. 
Uh, and it, it always, I don't remember a player's week when it didn't rain at some point in March. And you could get wind and all that. So the course played softer, which made it more playable. Um, but the weather was a wild card. But I, there was more of a sense of excitement then, uh, not so much because it was two weeks before the Masters. That was part of it. Yeah, I know the PGA Tour was always there because us media guys are running around asking everybody questions because we had to write our, you know, this was a deadline for our Masters preview stories. So we're talking Masters all week. That had to annoy him. But uh, the whole point of the week was, um, you know, it was the first time the best players in the world got together in the year. You know, you have to go back in time to the 90s. You know, the West Coast, the top players skipped them all. Faldo didn't play. Ernie Els didn't play. Norman didn't play a lot of them. Unless they happened to play Bay Hill, March at the Players was the first time we, you know, it felt like the first major of the year because we had first time the top names got together. Well, if you move it back to March now, we've already got two World Golf Championships uh, ahead of ahead of the tournament in the rotation. Um, so I don't think you're ever going to recreate that same buzz it had. I don't think it has much buzz in May. But I will say they've done a great job building up the facilities to the golf course, kind of like the Phoenix Open, and building these big, you know, luxury hotels virtually on the golf course. And uh, there are, you know, fans turn out. I mean, I give them credit; they've they've marketed this brilliantly. But I don't know if there's, I don't know if March March is really going to be any better than May, and uh, it's probably going to be a lot colder in winter. Yeah, and 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 then you know we get into the whole conversation about more shuffling of the schedule with the PGA championship possibly moving, but we don't have time for that right now. What I want to know is who are you picking for this weekend at the Byron Gary and who needs it the most? Well, I've spent exactly zero seconds considering who's going to win the Byron Nelson, but I think, you know, is Jordan Spieth playing? I haven't even checked the field this week. Who? Do, I'm sorry. You, you cut out. Is it Spieth? Is George, is Spieth. Spieth yes. This week? Yep. Yep. It's hometown. Look, I saw him play there. I, I, I covered it. The first, they gave him an invite when he was the U.S. junior champ. He was like 15. I watched him play, and he had a great week. He was sort of in contention. I want to say he finished like 15th. I watched him. I thought, ah, this kid isn't that big. He didn't really hit it that far. I don't know if he's really that good. And then I came back the next year, and he put on like 20 pounds, grown an inch, was hitting it 30 yards farther, and it's like, oh, I guess he's pretty good. So uh, this was a home game for him. Not that he plays that course, but he lives in Dallas. I think this would mean the most to him, not only to win and win at home. He's already won the the Colonial, but to win at home. Um, I'm with you. To and to and to just get back on track because he's he's kind of falling off track since Pebble Beach. All right, Gary Van Sickle's got the last word. I'm going with Jordan. Who are you going with? Dustin Johnson. Dustin Johnson. All right. The Golf Insiders, we're out of here. Bye-bye.